Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 62 for Monday, October 21st, 2019. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. I'm good. I'm good. Got a cup of Earl Grey here, which I'll be sipping from throughout the show because it's just one of those days. <laughs> Don't karate chop it. What, what do you mean, no, Joel? Yeah. You, you have to listen to the render distance to know what I mean. Just pure <laughs> baiting you to go listen to the render distance to figure out what the heck I'm talking about. Um, but what have you been doing in Minecraft since the last time that we hung out? Uh, quite a lot. Uh, I think last time we were talking, I was still working on the pillager raid farm that I was messing with uh, when I converted an outpost into a raid farm that's delivering captains to me that I can then kill to get uh, bad omen and start a raid instantly there. Uh, I cracked it. I finally managed to get a working raid farm together that doesn't kill the villager that's supposed to be baiting the pillagers towards me. And it came down to separating out the pillagers who spawn naturally at the outpost from the raid mobs because the evokers were targeting the villager who was supposed to be bait for the regularly spawned pillagers and uh. the the villager would get killed on the surface by vexes and then the other villager who was actually part of the village who was spawning the raids who was still kind of safe um yeah that that would just mean that half of the the pillager captains wouldn't even track towards the center of the farm where i needed them so yeah thankfully finally got that figured out and i've been lighting up caves around the area to make the pillager spawning at the outpost uh, grassland area a bit more efficient and outside of that i'm going back to my villager trading hall and putting together some automatic farms more efficient pumpkin and melon farms to start off with and then i've got some silly ideas coming up this week that i think are going to be kind of fun and i'm not sure if i want to look into tnt duplication quite yet but i have an idea for a farm that's going to use tnt in a kind of unusual way the kind of thing that you think we probably wouldn't normally need to use tnt in this way but it's funny to do it so i'm gonna try that i'm gonna leave <laughs> you leave you hanging on that one that, that's that's right a cliffhanger on. that you'll have to uh, check out the minecraft survival guide this week to discover so i'm not you, sure if i'm gonna do it yet <laughs> where do you sit on the whole tnt duplication thing because we we have uh, a creeper farm on the server that makes more gunpowder than one we can store and two we are ever going to need because there's only a, a handful of us that play on a regular basis and even then not all of us have elytra so uh i've never had a problem with with uh with gunpowder um do you do you think that on a single player world that you're going to be just crafting the gunpowder manually and just stocking tons of it or are you going to go with like a tnt duping bug the thing i've i've kind of held off on tnt duplication because i feel like it's almost if anything it's a courtesy to other people on a server that you don't have to steal all of the sand from a desert just to make tnt right. mm -hmm. uh because obviously on a multiplayer server deserts can be in short supply i think one of the things that is pushing me more towards crafting stuff is the fact that you can trade glass so easily from librarians now uh the mm. librarian glass trade is up to around four or five glass blocks per emerald uh, I think even without discounts, you get it that way. And emeralds are so easy to acquire with trading being currently like infinitely renewable that you can get a ton of glass that way. And that's what I've been doing lately. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've even traded the glass from the librarians, turned it into glass panes, and then resold it to cartographers who will buy glass panes for you from one emerald. So um, yeah, I, I've, I've kind of been abusing that trade loop a little bit. But yeah, I don't need sand for glass anymore is the upshot of that. And so... I can put crafting sand into other things, and that includes TNT. 
I've also got creeper farms, I've got mob farms, I have been shooting down every ghast that I see. I have pretty easy access to gunpowder. Gunpowder, mm. of course, I would need for fireworks and stuff as well, so I'm being a little bit judicious about my use of it. The thing about TNT duplication for me is that while it's, yeah, if, if it's on a multiplayer server, it might be a courtesy. If it's the kind of thing that you'd use a ton of TNT for, then it's probably a good thing. And I'm fine with TNT duplication over other forms of duplication because I've heard this argument made, and it's an argument I subscribe to, that by duplicating TNT, you are getting a primed entity, which is basically going to be destroyed instantly. Right. So you're not duplicating resources. You know, It's not like you're farming sand or you know, other gravity-assisted blocks with these duplicators, which you can do. Right. It's that you are, yeah, you're duplicating a falling entity, which then explodes and it's not like it's giving you free items as a result of that. It's helping you mine stuff. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people advocating for me using TNT to blow up the area of land that I just mined out around the pillager outpost when I was making this raid farm. And I don't really know how to make TNT duplicators. It's something that I have seen in action a few times, but I can't reproduce it from memory yet. I need to look up screenshots and maybe look up a couple of other people's tutorials to figure out how they do it. I know the theory... It is difficult for me to put that into practice right now. Um, but yeah, it, it's something that I've resisted doing in the past because I don't think it's necessary in a single-player world. But for the purposes of making a tutorial about it for the Minecraft Survival Guide, I will absolutely give it a go at some point. Yeah. It's just when and whether or not it's strictly necessary to do so. The problem that I usually have with with it is it's not so much the duplication as it is like using an, a TNT machine to mine or dig or something like that. I mean, yeah, sure, it saves you sitting there and digging all the extra stuff. And even though you're going to get some blocks back because TNT now drops all of the blocks that it dislodges, it doesn't destroy anything in that initial blast. However, the TNT piece that comes behind that is going to destroy any entities that are floating on the floor unless you're standing underneath the thing to gather stuff, which I don't recommend. (laughs) Because you're you're underneath a TNT duper. Um, So for me, I always think like, well, it just feels like a waste of blocks. Like if you're digging out this big perimeter perimeter for something or a big trench, it's like, well, yes, it would take a long time to do, but I would then be able to have all of those things. And that to me, A, gives me something new to do in the game, which means likely create a water stream or something that can handle the bulk storage. I mean, I'm not going to be doing this manually. I'll be using beacons and I'll be collecting everything and dumping into chests and watch it satisfyingly fly off into the distance and, and be stored. Um, because when people ask me like, wow, Joel, you have so much stuff. I mean, and it's great. I love when I'm out of stone on a stream. I just like, well, that's fine. We'll just, we'll go to my swamp base. We'll grab a whole shulker box full of stone from my double chests of stuff that I will never use. You yeah. Know? But it just, it means that I don't have to go get more things. Once I think I had to go get sand, but I've, I've not run out of a lot of materials in a long time. The reason for that is because I've not used TNT to blow stuff up. You know, when you dig it manually and you take the time to actually save it, it pays off in the long run. So I'm always on the fence, but it's got less to do with the duping. uh, Because on a multiplayer server, like you, I agree. We only have the one mining desert and we've taken big chunks out of it. So I feel like it would be better for us to to have... We would allow... If we were a very busy server, we would would be okay, I think, with the TNT duping for the courtesy of, of multiplayer servers. Um, yeah. And of course, if you're using it in an extreme case, like the Sidecraft guys are, I mean, like, I mean, you'd, you'd just, you'd have to, you'd have to do, but otherwise you just, you create more work for yourself, just gathering 
the materials for TNT than yeah, you would actually definitely. using it to do stuff. So yeah, no, I was, I was just curious because it, it's come up a fair bit, but I'm, I also land on the same side as you do with like duping things like rails and stuff like that. It's like, nah, it's a little bit, you know, when you've got a, a gold farm and an iron farm and like, I mean, I feel like you should be able to craft that kind of stuff at, you know, at length without duping it. Yeah, yeah, I, t I totally agree. And it's, it's the kind of thing, like you, I'm in favor of saving items from digs like that because... Mm. I'm going to use them to do some terraforming later in the series. I want mm -hmm. to be able to create custom mountains and and landscapes and that kind of stuff. It's the kind of thing that I haven't really got into in the series yet. And not for necessarily a lack of resources, but just knowing that I will need to save some stuff up for those builds in future. I kind of go, yeah, I'm going a, I'm to a just mine this whole thing out with a silk touch pickaxe so I have loads of stone and stone brick available to me mm -hmm. at any moment. That's kind of kind of useful to me yep although don't fall into that trap too often because i've i've definitely run into that where i'm just like am i really out of cobblestone holy crap i'm out of cobblestone <laughs> because it was all stone it was you know yeah. i was it wasn't using a i was using a silk touch as opposed to not but cool you go uh, you go to craft some pistons and observers and stuff and then you're yep. like wait a minute <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah that's exactly what happened well, I, was, I was crafting all the furnaces for the um uh, for the the fortress farm is what I was yes. doing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stone, that's kind of what I've been doing this weekend. I was hanging out near the uh, the hub on the Citadel, the Nether Hub, and we have been sprucing up more of the tunnels and the nearby rooms uh, in in the hub. And it's been a lot of stone work, and it's been very simple. Like I've really enjoyed just putting up like stone walls, decorating with with some mossy pillars, and and creating an interesting floor and an interesting ceiling with some green leaves hanging from it pro tip uh birch leaves and spruce leaves don't turn color in the nether so you can still have some green in there which is nice mm -hmm. um, I, I use birch leaves a lot when i'm making custom biomes around mm -hmm. the outside of my nether hub because yeah they they actually look green mm -hmm. as opposed to that sort of yellow brown yellow brown yeah lee uh not leaves um vines unfortunately do not they they turn yeah. the wrong color and I, I had put some up and then me immediately realized oh wow that's the wrong color we have to take those mm -hmm. down so yeah, so that we're working on that. Uh, what I what I really enjoy now, especially with the new way that light works in one fourteen with slabs, unless it was one thirteen, I can't remember. I think it might have been one fourteen. I think one fourteen. Yeah. So I was struggling with where to put the light in one of these tunnels, and uh, I realized that I have slabs on the main road of the tunnel because, of course, we want pigment to not show up on it. And uh, if you if I put uh, glowstone under the slabs in the middle just one row and then don't seal the edge of the slabs which you can't see because you're not walking on the edge of the path like you'd have to be walking off the path to see underneath it uh i could put holes and the light from the glowstone comes through so you can have these really spooky dimly lit from below nether tunnels without the need to have like the glowstone on the side or under glass or under leaves or something you can completely hide it and then let the 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 cracks in the slabs or stairs if you were using stairs uh light the way and it made a huge difference it solved the problem for me immediately and so i'm going to be reusing that technique uh in future nether tunnels especially long ones this was a very short tunnel it was only like 11 or 13 blocks but um on a long tunnel it would be fantastic to to use this under the pathway you know slit lighting to to kind of like light your tunnel and then it would doesn't matter glowstone uh torch you know uh pumpkin or jack-o-lantern whatever you can use whatever you want because it's gonna be covered by a slab anyway so that's yes yeah that's what we've been the, that's what i was working on 
the options for aesthetic lighting in Minecraft are sort of limited if you're using the lighting blocks themselves. It's really in combination with some stuff like this that the lighting options become a bit more diverse. Yeah. And I, I thought having stairs and slabs not be fully opaque anymore as far as letting light through was going to be kind of an awkward change but it seems a lot more natural it's almost as though you know why didn't we have this all along to mm. me at this point and some of the occasional farms that for aesthetic purposes i've decided yeah this should be all like slabs and stairs on the side and who cares if it's got holes in it because they don't let light through anymore i don't necessarily miss that in favor of having more options to play with when it comes to decorating with lighting yeah not as flexible in the overworld because of course the light levels there you'd have to put lights a lot more frequently in the nether you can do it because the light level doesn't really affect the spawns of pigmen and other stuff like that yeah 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 so it's you have more fun with it in the nether tunnels as, as far as i'm concerned i've done something similar in my larger tunnel where it wasn't the use of slabs but i tucked the light blocks <clears throat> excuse me away from the edge so that they can't be seen from below which is where you walk uh, and so what's nice about that is that you can have some softer lighting coming in at the ceiling to kind of light up a highlight of the build, but you still can't see the sea lanterns. You, like they're tucked away. And so right, I yeah. find that I'm going to be using that more in the nether because I find that I, I either had, it was too dark or it was just like really bright. And I was like, well, I don't want either one of those. So I was struggling in the last little while to figure that kind of stuff out. The other thing that I found really challenging uh is that uh and uh, challenging in a good way because it's, it's it's forcing me to not get too complicated with these nether tunnels which ultimately you walk through in mere seconds like you're not spending much time there um and that is some of these things are being built now but they're being connected to things that i built a year or more ago and so yeah. some things are very rudimentary other things are just i've learned more building techniques and i have more materials now that two versions of minecraft has come out in the last you know 14 months so mm -hmm. I'm being forced to kind of take the things that I know how to do and make them fit things that I built a year ago. And I found that challenging, but also a gentle reminder of like, you don't have to be super complicated and detailed with everything. Like sometimes a carved stone block on top of a acacia log is all you need. <laughs> you know yeah and just go from there and so we, i did that and and it was it was fun because it was when we we put this hallway together from absolute nothing it was wide open nether in 90 minutes and it was decorated lit decisions made we went back and forth in a couple things but it was all just from the hip live on on twitch it was fun i i, I miss cool. I, yeah i miss doing stuff like that so it, it was good let's get into the news uh Sounds let's talk Let's talk about Minecraft Snapshot 19W42A because there is actually a lot of discussion about this snapshot despite it being quite a slim set of changes. Uh, for a start, we have honey blocks and slime blocks no longer sticking together, dispensers now ejecting empty bottles properly when not facing water, and a few bug fixes. Most noteworthy among these, elytras being able to open now if the server is lagging or when you're moving upwards. So previously, elytra would only really open if you were falling. That seems to no longer be the case. You can double tap space and then you can hit a firework and be off into the air as opposed to having to wait for reaching the peak of your jump and then coming back down, which was making it more difficult for people to take off from the ground. Uh, we also... <laughs> I'm so happy about this one. We have armor stands being able to be placed by dispensers. This was originally reported as a bug, and uh, yeah, the bug was just listed as armor stands cannot be placed by dispensers. And now it's fixed, 
Uh, I, I didn't necessarily think of it as a bug to begin with, but it is a very welcome change as far as I'm concerned. And Impulse mentioned that on the show that we had him on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's going to open up some really interesting opportunities, but we'll talk more about that in a second once we've got through the rest of the news. Minecraft Earth fans, rejoice! Minecraft Earth is coming out in early access, and currently, if you're in Iceland or New Zealand, you should have access to Minecraft Earth in beta form. More countries are going to be announced soon. We presume that it's being rolled out to a couple of smaller communities so they can get a feel for how it works on a larger scale, provide a little bit more, you know, measured feedback without opening it up to, like, the entire United States or most of Europe and getting a ton of feedback all at once, especially from, yeah, like, people from all over the place saying, why can't I find resources in rural wherever, you know? Um, we also have an official name for the Piglin Beast, which was announced as part of the forthcoming Nether update. The Piglin Beast has officially been renamed the Hoglin. Uh, g give your opinions about that in, in, the, uh, in the emails and so forth as well, because I think it's a good name. Uh, there were a few others out there. Some people said Nether Warthog would have been a good name, uh, which I thought was quite clever, but still, the Hoglin it is. And finally, I just wanted to point out that Adrian Ostergaard, who normally takes care of snapshot announcements on Twitter, has mentioned there is not going to be any snapshot this week. So uh, the curse of the spawn chunks has been lifted for a week, and we're not going to get a snapshot released immediately after the show. <laughs> yes, uh, and there was something that I, I caught uh, this weekend that I want to add here, and I unfortunately forgot to put it in the notes before the show, but I will uh, amend that after. There was a tweet, I believe it was by Helen, I think? Hell uh, Angel, yeah. Yes, uh, and it was about the hard work being put in by Jappa on the new textures for the Nether update, and there was new vegetation. And there was a little bit of confusion. It's like, well, we've already seen this. There's nothing new. Ah, but there is. If you look at the ground in the Nether update release videos from Minecon Live, the grass and stuff on top of the um, blue Netherwort forests was red. And in this particular screenshot, it looks like bright turquoise fungus it looks like long stem mushroomy type stuff it's unique it doesn't look like anything on the on earth it just looks like a fun different kind of grass and bush shrubbery it's on the ground it's it, i don't think the trees or the logs or anything like that have changed in their texture very much if at all um but but this new vegetation on the ground was there and it so it, it there's no longer red on the ground unless it's like one of those bright yellow and red mushrooms but i didn't see any um, mm -hmm. So that's that's out there as well. So I, I'll remember to go and, and track that in the show notes and have that over there for people as well. Sounds good. I I'm not going to click away from it right now, but I would yeah I'd like to uh, like to see that. So so yeah, we got a snapshot. We got high blocks. Uh, a kind of major change for a lot of people, a minor change for people who don't really care that much about redstone stuff. But honey blocks and slime blocks no longer being able to stick together is a change that the community asked for more or less immediately once. Uh, honey blocks came out and it was discovered that they effectively acted kind of similar to slime blocks but they still stuck to slime blocks and previously to that we've had people suggesting that there could be different colors of slimes so that slime blocks can move independently of each other and this can be used to compact slime block contraptions because honey blocks effectively work sort of the same way as far as blocks sticking to them go uh, there, there are other things that they do that is different to slime blocks. They don't repel stuff. They don't bounce stuff. They, in fact, they do the opposite. They stick to stuff a little bit more. Um, so it's more consistent in that sense. But uh, yeah, it seems like they made that change pretty quickly after a bit of player feedback. The honey block had only been in snapshots for a week, and then they changed that aspect of its functionality. 
Yeah, and I feel like uh, the response to that has been immediate and overwhelmingly positive. Like I, I've yeah. watched a bunch of the tech people do their their videos and things, and and interestingly enough, like I mean, I'm pretty redstone minded, and I think okay, cool, you know. Honey blocks and slime blocks can now slide by one another. That's going to make things tighter. It's going to allow some, you know, you don't have to make such a big turn or a big corner in a build when you're when you're doing some of this stuff. What I didn't think about was the push limit of slime blocks. And uh, I think it was El Mango that made a, a video where he moved something crazy like a nine by nine or an eight by eight floor of blocks which would have been way more than the 12 block limit of, of a slime block. But then he made this like interlocking finger pattern of slime blocks and honey blocks. And it wasn't that there was anything big about them not sticking to one another. It was that they have separate push limits. So yeah. half of the platform was the honey block limit and half of the platform was the slime block limit, essentially doubling the amount of blocks that you could push. So you could move a very large floor up and down, which I thought was really cool uh, and yeah, not the yeah not the first place my brain went which i thought was great technically speaking it's the push limit of pistons but it's oh, the pistons, fact sorry. that it's the fact that you don't have a large area of slime blocks that all have to be adjacent to each other and therefore stick to each other right so yes yeah you, you can you can move up to 12 blocks using a piston uh, you add that 13th block onto the end and it doesn't push anymore but being able to have alternating slime blocks and honey blocks means that yeah you can you can up the amount of stuff that can be pushed around in that way which is is super interesting i have in the past tried to make a movable beacon base using slime blocks and i found that deeply difficult and i don't know if it really is possible i imagine somebody out there might be able to take on the challenge somebody who knows more about slime block flying machines than i do mm. uh, which is basically everybody <laughs> but um i think i could probably puzzle it out now that slime blocks and honey blocks don't fit next to that they don't stick to each other because that yeah takes some of the burden off the pistons having to push everything around mm -hmm. in large chunks like that which is really interesting and and definitely opens up a lot of stuff i speaking of opening things up actually i've seen a lot of people designing really interesting doors now that they can have honey blocks and slime blocks there was somebody who made a four by four spiral opening door that moved outwards from the center in two block like two by two sections so instead of having you know one by one blocks kind of moving in sequence you had whole sort of chunks of it moving outwards because you can effectively put slime and honey blocks as the backing mm. for those sections and then pull them apart because the slime and honey didn't stick to each other so there's already like door designs and stuff coming out which is kind of making 1.15 or the yeah the bugs and bees update or whatever they're officially calling it feel like it's going to provide a little bit more content than people might originally think if you're interested in the technical side of things mm -hmm. i feel like some people are a little underwhelmed with the fact that it's just bees but if you look a little bit under the surface then there might be some stuff that's gonna gonna keep us going until the nether update provides a bunch more content yeah. i think we had some emails about that as well we've had a, a little bit of a little bit of interest in you know what we think is going to be possible now that uh 1.15 isn't really going to be that big of an update and like mm. how the community is going to react considering that content light updates in the past have led to the community kind of drifting off until the update aquatic renewed interest in the game and so forth right. so yeah yeah i'm i'm hopeful that 
these changes are actually going to be more significant than people think. Yeah. I was a little surprised at how quickly Moyang made the change to the honey block uh, after hearing the player feedback. And this is just pure speculation on my point part but i feel like they might have been flip-flopping on it internally like it's the kind of thing where like if we can all think of it you know that mo yang thought of it it's just yeah. <laughs> it's just they, they just decided well the votes maybe low internally or the decision was made well let's release it without it you know with it sticking to slime blocks and just you know see how it goes and ultimately they know how it went and and the fact that they were able to switch it around so quickly means that they were probably testing it internally in both ways uh which would make sense um, I'm happy with the outcome. I just, I found it really interesting that they were able to turn it around so fast. Yeah. Uh, we have an email about this later as well, mm -hmm. which we should yes. uh, probably reserve some of our comments until that. But, um, let's move on to the other stuff in the snapshot specifically, I want to make a case for the armor stand dispenser thing being one of my favorite changes in the last like five years, mm -hmm. <laughs> basically, because I love, I used to do tons of stuff building with detail with armor stands and not even using posable armor stands using commands or the armor stand book that they have as a data pack. Now I was effectively just pushing armor stands around with pistons, having them wear different types of armor and putting them in different uh, positions and stuff like that to make stuff like more interesting looking bookshelves and video game arcade cabinets and stuff like that. If you look back through my channel in some of the, the older videos where my presentational style is a little bit less uh, energetic, we'll say, but I definitely had some fun ideas for armor stands. And one of the roadblocks I came up into was that armor stands couldn't be placed by dispensers because if you can have them dispensed, you can use them to, for example, sort armor in ways that you can't sort armor other than like um, using non-stackable item filters which would filter out other items like bows from a skeleton spawner for example. Now they can be dispensed, you can actually have an armor stand pop up automatically, use another dispenser to put all of the armor from a chest onto the armor stand and then move the armor stand on with you know a water stream or something like that break it later collect all that armor in a different place and that sorts the armor completely independently of anything else that's going through that system so suddenly there is a way to filter armor now using armor stands because you can automate that process mm. which is super exciting yeah, to me very very cool out of curiosity can you re read a comparator output out of an armor stand depending on how much armor is on it that was the first thing I checked as soon as I knew that the dispenser functionality had been put in. Sadly, you can't, ah. but it might be something else that they would be open to adding in future. We will see. But I, I do think that would be a really interesting change. However, it does involve reading an entity in a position which is only currently possible with hopper minecarts and chest minecarts thanks to detector rails being in the game. Right. So you could maybe have an armor stand with armor maybe like weigh on a weighted pressure plate slightly differently or something uh, like that. But course, yeah, I feel okay. like there has to be a block in place so that the comparator can read it rather than just being able to read an entity that was walking past. Right, because read, otherwise, read the pressure plate, not the armor stand. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because yeah. otherwise you could do the same functionality with an entity wearing armor, which could be a zombie or a skeleton or a player. And if a player walks past somewhere wearing armor, a comparator could read them. Mm. I think the game doesn't necessarily differentiate between armor stands and players when it comes to this is an entity. So right. yeah, that, that, that could even open up some more interesting functionality if comparators could read how much armor you're wearing. Mm. Uh, but that, that's a, a whole other can of worms, I think. Uh, the other cool thing about armor stands being placed by dispensers is it finally brings back something that I have wanted in the game in the past and it was briefly possible in 1.12 where you can put armor stands inside of leaf blocks. 
And I mostly wanted this because you can add a little bit of detail to hedges this way, which is such a minor thing, but it's such a cool detail at the same time. You can kind of put this stick-like structure in hedges that makes it feel like, you know, leaf blocks actually have branches and stuff inside of them instead of just being empty collections of, you know, a green texture plastered over this transparent block mm. you can put armor on them you can even dispense the armor onto them once they're in place uh that you know makes it look like there is you know different textures and red berries or something inside of there by putting you know boots or a chest plate or something on there and it's something yeah you could do thanks to a glitch in 1.12 but since then you've not been able to do it so armor stands can now be dispensed upwards into leaf blocks <laughs> and i'm really happy about that because that's something i've yeah I, I wanted in the game for for ages and because you can't push leaves because they break it isn't possible to have them interact with armor stands in the same way that other blocks can where they can be pushed down over the top or into the side of an armor stand uh and if you push the armor stand it doesn't it just go pops out or yeah it yeah. It, 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 fall, it falls through the piston that's pushing it or the block that you're pushing uh, it with a piston. I, gotcha. i've tried it any number of ways it isn't possible with the exception of like spawning it in with commands or moving it with an armor stand book or something mm. and now it is possible to do that in survival minecraft in the snapshots um there's one other thing i wanted to point out that wasn't part of this snapshot but i discovered it whilst experimenting with the armor stand thing it's probably been added in a previous snapshot and i've completely overlooked it and it's the in this snapshot you can currently shift click items from your inventory into the crafting interface and you haven't been able to do that i tested it in 114 thinking wait like has this been a thing for a while and i've not known it isn't so now you can't this is actually a huge quality of life change as far as i'm concerned for stuff that doesn't have crafting recipes in the recipe book stuff like repairing two tools for example you can now do that by shift clicking them into your inventory instead of having to click and drag all of the you know crossbows or bows or anything that you're getting from a, a monster spawner that you're like hey let me actually repair some of these tools so i can use the bows for dispensers and that kind of thing you can shift click them into your crafting interface now which you couldn't before which is kind of big um and making fireworks is another example you can't create fireworks for flight through the recipe book because i guess there are a bunch of different ways you can craft them and the game doesn't differentiate between like how many pieces of gunpowder you want to put in the firework for flight duration and so forth so that's really interesting dyeing armor is another one you can't do that through the recipe book because there are so many different dye combinations but you can now click uh, shift click armor and a die into the crafting interface and it works that way i'm not quite sure if that's going to impede people shift clicking stuff into and out of their hotbar but as far as i can tell it only works when you're in the crafting table rather than with the two by two inventory crafting interface so it seems like they've thought that through and it's a really good quality of life change for java players apparently this is in bedrock edition already but i think that's mainly because bedrock edition is developed multi-platform so you've got mobile users for whom the right. tap based interface is going to make that a lot better for quality of life but for java players it's new and I thoroughly recommend doing it because you will try it and you'll be like, why don't we have this already? This just makes life <laughs> so much easier in a couple of small ways. Fast forward to the next two months of me retraining my brain on crafting mm -hmm. <laughs> crafting mm -hmm. firework rockets for flight. Absolutely, uh, yeah. yes. Um, speaking of um, stuff like that, quality of life, etc. cetera, um, uh, quality of your life has been improved because I'm going to correct myself. It was Lady Agnes that tweeted about the nether right. vegetation. That is now in the in the show notes sorry sorry about that it wasn't helen angel it was uh lady agnes i think helen angel probably chimed in at some point uh which is probably why i was confused um i chop it up to uh twitter showing threads in weird ways which 
it drives me crazy a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm fine with the Hoglin name. It's a little on the mark. I feel like it's going to be we've got Piglin, Hoglin, and Zombified Piglin, and right up there with Minecon Live and Minecon Festival and Minecon all those other stuff. I feel like there's going to be a lot of confusion and uh, confusion until everything settles in. Um, one thing that I think came up in the live Twitch chat when we were um, covering it on uh, Minecon Live Weekend, uh, someone in the chat suggested Nog for like Nether Hog or Nether Warthog. And I thought that was kind of a fun short name that really didn't exist. You know, like it's not a Nog, is, outside of like Eggnog, it's not a real thing. I, I was going to say, like if you then egg one of them, could it be an Eggnog? <laughs> an Eggnog, yeah. Um, yes. Which would have been really funny if you had like a pork chop and an egg and you get Eggnog in Minecraft, that'd be good. Kind of yes definitely um, but i mean i'm okay with pig i'm okay with hog see i did it again i almost call it a piglin right yeah so i, yeah, I th- I'm, I'm okay with hoglin i just think they're barking up a confusing tree by making it so similar i think it is quite similar but maybe in the fullness of time that will be i think it's because it's new more than anything like, yeah. I, like I said with the the minecon festival minecon earth minecraft live whatever all, all, all of these kind of different brands are going to be easier to pass once we have you know dealt with them for a year or two i think mm. at that point it'll be it'll be second nature and we won't worry about it too much but yeah i do kind of agree that piglin and hoglin they they, they sort of pig and hog just seem like synonyms of each other so it might be difficult yeah. to differentiate the two at first chances but, are uh, people are just gonna call them nether pigs for a while anyway <laughs> yes no entirely and and we'll have nicknames for them and and all yes. sorts of stuff so it won't yeah, be yeah. we'll just we'll name tag all of them with silly names until we uh we we get the the idea but yeah i'm mo- i'm mostly interested in hearing more about them and what they do if they're going to have unique food yes, like how yeah. we can use their behavior in game mechanically what the piglins are going to do to interact with them and that kind of stuff we know they're going to hunt them in some way but yeah i'm i'm excited to see what the uh the the stuff coming through for the nether update is going to be but presumably we won't see uh, snapshot gameplay in that for at least a couple of months so yeah watch this space for more news about the hoglin um anyone who's uh checking out minecraft earth in iceland i don't know how many viewers uh, listeners we have in in iceland we have a couple of people from new zealand in the discord and they've mentioned that you know if they're on android devices it's still a little bit twitchy kind of like what fwip was saying uh when he was on the show a couple of weeks back uh, it, it's not as reliable on Android devices as it is on iOS, but obviously that's still something that they're going to refine, and they're hopefully yeah rolling out this slow means that they can get the experience refined for everybody once they have a public release. So mm. not much else to say about Minecraft Earth in early access right now. Obviously have a lot more to say when it comes to the UK and sure. Canada, uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how we get on. One little bit of feedback from our Discord on Minecraft Earth from Minipacks actually is that... Uh, Collecting stuff in Minecraft Earth uh, is fun, but the other day they added smelting and crafting and it suddenly feels more Minecrafty. Uh, right, and the, yeah. And the build plates are more stable, for at least for mini packs on Android. Now, I don't know what version of Android he's running and all that kind of stuff, but... Um, um, or I shouldn't say he, they uh, are, are running. Um, so yeah, um, thanks for the feedback, mini packs, and thanks for everybody else that's uh, chiming in in the Discord about Minecraft Earth because it's right now it's the only firsthand feedback that Johnny and I have access to, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's, it sounds like it's it's getting there, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm surprised. I mean, it's October 21st. Like, there's not if it's coming elsewhere <laughs> uh, in 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 October. I don't know how quickly they're going to be rolling it out, but I I don't see them at this point rolling it out everywhere before the end of the month. Do you? 
No, I think I think they were sort of saying starting in October, and uh, then okay. yeah, I I feel like they're they're giving themselves they're they're using slightly looser wording than like it's going to be everywhere by October. I think it was October is the start of the rollout, and then we'll see. Mm-hmm. It's like when they say it's when the price of something is from nineteen ninety nine, and it turns out the one you want is like fifty quid mm-hmm. or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. commercial uh, woes aside let's get on to the main meat of today's show and this is going to be a chunk mail dispenser show because you folks and the the generous portion of you who are patrons of the spawn chunks have unlocked this segment again so we're doing a mailbag episode every month and this is the one for this month we got a decent amount of email and also a few youtube comments peppered in towards the end so if you are listening on youtube then feel free to leave comments and questions about the topic of the show or anything that you've been musing in minecraft lately or send an email to to the spawn chunks at gmail.com and they might be included in a future chunk mail dispenser segment or in one of the emails that we read on regular weekly episodes of the show so i guess i'll start off reading this email that comes from surprise t says hi guys since moyang have changed their mind about honey and slime sticking to each other it raises the question what else can the community get if it whines loud enough does it mean if a big influencer will ask for auto crafting again and again for example moyang will eventually add it I'd assume the answer would be no, but then where do you draw the line? On the other hand, aren't players the ones who ultimately decide what makes the game better? Have a nice day. Surprise. Oh, it's nice to have a healthy dose of surprise cynicism, along with false equivalence and a slippery slope argument. But uh, yeah, we've we've talked a little bit about honey and slime already, and it's clear that there is a lot of community feedback about how these things could be improved how do you feel about this joel is it is it going to be a case of like you know they they give us an inch and we ask for a mile i feel well to, to address something that surprise brought up in the email literally it's called minecraft and i think those are the two things that you will always have to do yourself in the vanilla game uh mm-hmm. i we've mentioned before that uh, developers have referred to minecraft as always going to be a block by block game uh, and I think that applies to crafting. I don't think you're going to find auto crafting ever be a thing unless it's a, a you know mod uh, or a data pack, etc. Um, so don't expect a change like that, no matter how loud, which really is still a vocal minority, the community complains. Um, but when it comes to player input, uh, I think the important thing to remember here is that players get input. They don't get decision-making power. It's smart that Mojang gets player feedback and incorporates what they feel is important from that feedback into the game, but ultimately they're going to make the decisions. It's served them pretty well so far. (laughs) Minecraft Mm -hmm. is a pretty popular game. Uh, So in that way, you don't want to rock the boat. Uh, I I think that uh, a good example of that is when we vote on biomes during Minecon Live, we get to vote on which biome gets updated first versus what actually happens within those biomes. They don't say, hey, tell us what you want to change. It's like, no, no, no. These are the changes that are being made no matter what. You just get to vote as to what happens first. You get to choose your favorite first. And I think that's a good way to kind of outline the idea of of player feedback uh i'm trying to think of something else in the game that um would perhaps get an overhaul based on you know loud complaints the only thing that i can think of which won't necessarily affect gameplay in terms of how you interact with the world of minecraft in terms of blocks crafting mining etc uh, however i know it's come up a lot of times in that uh, player inventory 
uh, is becoming hard to manage because of the number yes. of blocks that have been added to the game. And so that to me is something that if players are are complaining about it and, and not, I, I, I use the word complaining because it was used in the email. If players are giving feedback and saying, and saying like, hey, this really needs attention. Like this is becoming harder to play and harder to enjoy because we've got too many blocks and not enough ways to manage them. Uh, that to me, I think is something that would maybe get looked at because it, it affects the enjoyment of the game. It doesn't affect how easy the game is, right? Yes, definitely. I, I think the, the difference here, going back to the comparison between, say, honey blocks and automatic crafting, is that the honey blocks don't necessarily subtract anything from the game with this change. If anything, it's an additive change exclusively. And honey blocks can live up to their potential this way, whereas I feel like if they came out in the previous form, everybody would see them as having wasted potential. Yes, um, 100%. And it, it also doesn't invalidate any existing mechanics other than you have to rig up a whole bunch of slime blocks and know a lot more technical stuff about how push limits work and stuff so that you can get anything large to move, like the kind of tunnel bores that I've seen people making. Um, speaking of auto mining, uh, it, it kind of works that way, but it's, it's obviously very technical and complicated to build, and so I feel like with the level of technicality involved there comes a solution. Um, you, you kind of get what you put into it at that point. Um, but yeah, I feel like honey blocks don't invalidate any existing mechanics this way. And I kind of thought for a second, well, what if like, what if you wanted to drag a honey block along? And I thought, well, no, you can just push a honey block the same way you could push it with a slime block. It just has to be traveling in the right direction. I, I didn't see anything that would be removed from the game as a result of making this change. Whereas automated crafting would fundamentally change how everybody was expected to interact with the game. The honey block is just a component, ultimately. I can imagine never touching honey blocks and still having like a standard experience of Minecraft, whereas I can imagine as soon as automated crafting was introduced into the game in this hypothetical scenario, it would make all the manual crafting you'd been doing up until that point feel like a wasted effort, and inevitably the most irritating thing for me, the backseat gamers in my stream <laughs> would come along and say, why aren't you crafting all of this stuff automatically whenever I crafted anything manually? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it would it would fundamentally change an aspect of the game that has been there forever, whereas honey blocks are still relatively new. They're here to be fine-tuned. And ultimately, this is, yeah, a new feature that players are giving feedback on rather than a conceptual feature that has been added in mods and players have asked for in the past in various forms, but ultimately goes against the ethos of what Minecraft feels like it is, which is something that I have only a vague understanding of, not being a developer of the game and knowing what their internal Bible is for features like this. And yeah, I can appreciate that there are there are some things that community has given pushback on which seems a little bit unreasonable at times. And then if, if you think back to the update Aquatic, say, when uh, Jeb announced that water physics were going to be fundamentally changed and water was going to be able to flow through a lot of stuff. And basically everybody at the time said, well, this is going to break all of the farms that we can make already. And regardless, I think, of whether or not the community feedback was integral to the changes there being rolled back or not, what we got was a good compromise. What we got was being able to waterlog blocks so that water could still be manipulated in certain ways. And regardless of whether you think that is a, a fundamental change to the developer's original vision for it, ultimately we, came, we got something that the developers were as happy with as I think the community was happy with. And that's the balance that needs to take place here. 
the community gives feedback on these ideas the developers how decide how best to implement them mm -hmm. yeah i agree our next email comes from Knight Rider 009 hi johnny and joel on the topic of the piglins this week and more specifically the bastions they're supposed to inhabit after looking up the word, I discovered that, by definition, a bastion is a protrusion in a defensive wall or fortification. This got me thinking about the possibilities of the Piglin Bastion being incorporated into nether fortresses and the potential for it to be incorporated into the bridges of the fortress. I don't know how Piglin, the Piglin rivalry with Wither Skeletons would work, but maybe it could be that their fortresses have been overrun and are they're holding out on these extensions of the nether fortresses called bastions. To my knowledge, this would be the first time a new structure has been added to an existing one. Keep up the great work, Knight Rider 009. What do you think about the potential position of bastions coming in the nether update? I think it would definitely lend some credence to the idea that piglins built the nether fortresses, which is something that has been suggested in the past by lore and theory videos about zombie pigmen. The mysteries of Minecraft coming to, you know, who built certain structures. We know that villagers have, in theory, built the houses that they now inhabit, and some forgotten civilization may have built the desert temples and jungle temples and ocean monuments and that kind of thing. We don't really know where the nether fortresses have come from because there is no sort of human analogue existing in the nether. And now you have piglins, which are a civilization of some form, especially if they live in these bastion structures that we only know of by name. We don't know exactly how they're going to be implemented yet. I feel like that lends some credence to the idea that they are responsible for nether fortresses, and therefore bastions being an extension of those is sort of logical. How about you? What do you think? I don't want to be too negative, but I think that may be a too literal an interpretation of the word bastions and what you might hope uh, they're going to be. My guess is that bastions will be huts, domes, or protrusions, but anywhere in the nether, not just in another fortress. It's going to make a lot more sense for these um, piglin beasts to be a lot easier to find. Sorry, I said piglin beast. <laughs> See? Uh, piglins. Piglins are going to be a lot easier to find than just nether fortresses and only finding them in nether fortresses. Uh, I think the idea of a bastion probably just indicates um, how these homes look, uh, probably with the number of cliffs and uh, walls and protrusions and stuff in the nether and how the, the landscape is generated. I would imagine that the piglin uh, bastions are going to be stuck up against the sides of a lot of things think about like how barnacles look on a on a wharf like that that's mm. how i'm kind of thinking you know when i think bastion for whatever reason um because it's it's well like the definition it, it evokes the idea of something attached to something else not just freestanding it kind of makes me think of like domes i think my star wars brain to goes to what uh, sand people huts sort of look like and that's what i keep on thinking of when i think of of uh piglin uh, I don't know what a zombie piglin bastion would look like, <laughs> so I don't yep. like I don't know we don't know that either. Um, so that so there could be two different types types of of structures coming with uh, with bastions. Uh, we've also seen uh, in the one fourteen update the jigsaw block uh, opening up how villages are generated in the overworld, and I would imagine Mojang is probably going to use that tech to how um, I don't know if they're called called villages, but bastion villages or piglin villages will be generated in the nether it's probably going to use the same sort of sort of tech would be my guess 
Yeah, my previous experience with the word Bastion is actually another video game. Uh, the 2011 Supergiant Games uh, sort of uh, action... It's not really an action platformer, it's more of kind of an action RPG dungeon crawler type of thing uh, called Bastion. And in that, the titular Bastion is kind of like a safe haven, but the world has sort of fallen apart, so it's just this floating island that you eventually add a bunch of structures to and repair. And that seemed to give the sense of it just being a synonym for fortress or stronghold rather than it being, you know, mm. a particularly like attached onto something else. And I, I kind of feel like they're just running out of words for fortress or stronghold at this point because we've got <laughs> fortresses yeah. in the nether already. We have, you know, strongholds in the overworld that lead to the end. And I think they just need a, a synonym for that that's going to feel fortified enough and so to, uh, other than just fort, I guess. To that effect, how cool would it be if I'm 100% wrong? They're not going to be these little dome huts scattered around like a little village. And we're essentially going to get a different kind of nether fortress. We're going to see what a nether fortress looks like before it was taken over by wither skeletons. Maybe, yeah, you get may, a, yeah, a maybe, piglin castle. Yeah, basically. a piglin castle instead. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah. I, th and that would tie into what Knight Rider 09 said about... Um, about tying into the, the 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 rivalry between wither skeletons. So if you could see what would ultimately look like another fortress, but different colors, different structures, maybe a little bit more ornate, and it looks like before and after, right? Mm -hmm. That would be kind of yeah. cool. I'm I'm into it. I'm definitely into it. I'm looking forward to seeing what they take. And and if they did take the approach Knight Rider 09 is uh, suggesting, it would be the first time a structure got an expansion, but we've definitely seen structures getting an overhaul of sorts before. Think of villages in 1.14 having changed in recent memory. Um, and obviously, yeah, it's not necessarily generation getting tacked onto existing villages before that. It's a whole revamp of the different structures. But it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a sense of expansion, I suppose. So I'm, I'm mostly just looking forward to seeing what they are at this point. We've only heard the words. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what we end up with. Uh, moving on, I thought it was kind of an interesting thing to do to bring up a few things that have come from our YouTube comments section in recent weeks. Uh, in particular, I have a couple of comments here, starting with one from Milo O'Reilly on the last episode, number 61, uh, Stuck on Honey Blocks, who says, The honey block is a slime block, but for peaceful mode. What do you think about this, Joel? Uh, it's an excellent point. Like I, I never thought about it that way. Much in the way that, you know, I don't play Bedrock, so my brain doesn't necessarily think about that kind of stuff. First, I don't play in peaceful. Uh, and so I don't think about uh, the fact that you don't get slime blocks in peaceful, as far as I know, right? Like the, you'd have to. You can you can farm slime balls from sneezing pandas, but obviously that involves right. you finding a sneezing panda, finding enough sneezing pandas in order to have a viable slime farm. Right. In that sense, is going to be pretty uncommon. Yeah. Uh, so breeding a lot of pandas and that kind of stuff, and then yeah, uh, naturally uh, aggressive slimes do not spawn in any form in uh in in peaceful mode so you are kind of forgive the term stuck uh for <laughs> solutions to that uh and and if you consider that slime is really useful not just for making slime blocks but for making leads and sticky pistons and stuff like that as well honey doesn't necessarily have solutions to that problem but if you are looking for a an easily farmable peaceful solution to moving a bunch of blocks around using that functionality of slime blocks the honey block is definitely a substitute Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also, um, I can't remember the name of the person that commented, but I did have a back and forth with them on YouTube about the rarity of bees nests and how hard it is to find them. 
And so uh, similar to Sneezing Panda, it may be the honey block is the slime block for peaceful mode, but it might, might also be just as hard to get as slime from Sneezing Pandas. Yeah, yeah, it, it is something that you can farm a little bit more reliably, I think, at that point, but it still remains to be seen how practical that is for some players, especially, yeah, if you don't have access to uh, some of the other stuff that you might be able to get easily in uh, in survival mode. Moving on, uh, we have Anime King 1357 on the same episode, uh, episode 61, saying, I'm really hoping that us playing Bedrock will get more stuff from Java version. We still can't do spectator mode whenever we want. And this was notable to me because, yeah, I've had a little bit of back and forth about the Bedrock version of the game lately, and spectator mode is still not a possibility. Hardcore mode is still not in the Bedrock version of the game, which a lot of people are kind of back into watching hardcore playthroughs right now, so that's kind of a, a sticking point there's a couple of other things that still aren't in the in the bedrock edition of the game subtitles is a big one for me and some of the accessibility features that are being added to the java version still aren't showing up in bedrock betas and that's the kind of thing i would like to see change personally in in the foreseeable future but uh yeah like th there's a lot of talk about feature parity right now uh how do you feel about that one uh, again, great idea. I think more feature parity would be great. It would certainly lessen the confusion between versions and it would matter less which version that you play on. Uh, it would be more of a platform and access as opposed to the style in which you want to play. Um, I think part of the, the, the wish fulfillment here is that a lot of these features don't feel from the outside to be that difficult. You know, like implement, for example, implementing subtitles that doesn't technically to me sound like something that's hard to do in bedrock right they just haven't done it yet right it's mm -hmm. certainly possible in the coding language doesn't prohibit them from adding subtitles right yeah it's 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 not necessarily easy in terms of development but it's also it's it's something that seems at least feasible and it's just linked into the system that generates the sound they just have to print something on screen that corresponds to whatever the sounds that there are exactly so yeah it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be restricted like you say by the programming language they're yeah. working with yeah whereas people that want to be able to move containers you know like using pistons to move chests in java i know that that is a harder thing because of the way that the java game is coded so like there, yes. there are some back and forth there however at minecon live during the developer the so, excuse me the developer panel that happened immediately after the main show uh they mentioned that while they're still pushing for more feature parity between bedrock and java that because of some technical restrictions full feature parity which has been language used before won't be possible so they're kind of setting some lower expectations there uh, it's definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it because they speak very plainly about we want to do this we are hamstrung by some things but we're trying to get both versions of the game a lot closer to i also want to give a thanks out to argus the watchman who wrote us with an email with a very similar bedrock java parity question yeah, uh, the one thing that I really wish Bedrock didn't have was this tie to the Xbox Live achievement system because that is the stuff that I feel like is holding Bedrock Edition back in some ways uh, because you can't get you're not supposed to be able to get achievements by cheating and so like creative mode disables achievements at least for that world i don't know if it disables them for your game permanently but there are a lot of things like going into creative mode from uh, an existing survival world and stuff like that which you're just not allowed to do if you want achievements to still be a thing because otherwise yeah you could spawn in all of this stuff that allows you to get xbox gamer score which has no real world value as such but is still there to showcase achievements that you're supposed to have gotten through legit gameplay quote unquote mm. um so i think that may also be um 
may, may be responsible for why you can't have spectator mode because if you could jump into spectator mode at any time then you could fly down into caves find some diamonds maybe and that's kind of a shortcut to some other stuff so i expect it would have to be treated the same way as creative mode where you've got to you know disable achievements if you want to open that functionality up which may not be the thing that's holding it back at all um but yeah it's certainly significant that the xbox system is still tying people to that uh moving on to our last comment of this uh this was on uh, an episode a couple of weeks ago our minecon live recap and as a comment from apwy about minecraft earth who says i would like in minecraft earth that you'd have the ability to trade materials with other people you say okay we need some wood i'll go buy some logs from the log dealer and you find someone who still sells some stone bricks so yeah trading materials with other players ultimately is is what they're asking for here and i think that's not unfeasible it's the kind of thing that once again you know referring back to pokemon go pokemon go didn't have a great deal of player trading happening which is quite a key feature of the pokemon you know console games the sort of the the main series the core series of pokemon i think minecraft earth is being built with some more friends functionality from the ground up so it it doesn't seem to have that you know missing from it as such i don't know if trading is going to be possible but they've only just added crafting and smelting and some of the newer elements are still coming through in the early access version of minecraft earth so it might be possible in future do you think you can you see people like just amassing large amounts of items and then trading them with their friends yeah if it's friends uh i would not mm -hmm. be surprised if you're able to give blocks to friends on your friends list similar to how you can give blocks to server mates in a multiplayer server in minecraft uh, yeah i don't imagine you're going to be able to give blocks or receive blocks from strangers um, mainly because I don't know what functionalities happen in Minecraft Earth. Can I rename something on an anvil and then give it to somebody and have that name be inappropriate? You know, like there's, there's a whole can of worms that unfortunately opens up when you get into this kind of thing. Um, I'm also not sure. I mean, I know that when uh, APY was speaking about a log dealer, they're talking about someone in-game that's trading for in-game material. But something else that usually happens in these kind of games is uh, real-world money. Uh, and I think uh -huh. buying materials is exactly what Moyang wants to stay away from, regardless of whether it's uh, in-game currency, whether that's blocks that are hard to find uh, or, or spawn eggs or something. Uh, and, and I think uh, so far, any of the exchange for real world money in the game has been for cosmetic and aesthetic things like uh, having a little, um, you know, farmer hat or like stuff like that that affects how you look. It doesn't affect the gameplay itself. So it's also it's also stuff that can't be destroyed. Uh, and I yeah. don't know quite how TNT works in this, but if it's like the bedrock edition of the game, TNT could potentially destroy blocks that you have paid money for at that point. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you you then regain all of those blocks immediately into your inventory or or what. But yeah, I definitely think like giving people blocks or items is not quite going to work in terms of microtransactions. So mm -hmm. I, I can understand that there are several reasons, I think, why they would be best advised to stay away from that kind yeah. of stuff. At the same time, I can see them within a friends list because if, 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 if you and a bunch of friends on your cul-de-sac all want to get together and build something epic, if it's really hard to gather blocks in Minecraft, which I think we've heard from Whip on the show, it's a little bit tedious to do that, then really, if you've got a lot of stone but your buddy across the street has got a lot of wood, then you want to get together with him or her and say like yeah well let's build something cool because i don't have anything to build the roof with but you do so that to me i don't know whether that means you pool your resources or whether you assign you do the roof i'll do the walls sort of thing i'm not sure how yeah, that works no, what, 
what we've seen about gameplay is that it is possible for multiple players to work on one build plate so presumably that is hosted by a player but then everyone else brings their own unique inventory to it Mm. so if not necessarily trading blocks in the sense of just peer-to-peer transactional kind of stuff you could in theory dump a ton of blocks into somebody's build plate and then they could mine them all out and the blocks would then be theirs yeah (laughs) potentially i don't know that that might be how it works and and that's obviously a little bit tedious and a direct transfer of like i'm gonna send you a thousand blocks of stone for example might be a little bit easier than them having to manually mine out a thousand blocks of stone yeah. but even so i think it is it is feasible in some way or another even if it isn't a direct trade like that yeah and you'd want it to augment different people's playstyles too because i mean just like on servers there's some people that just like to dig they just want to dig yep. holes and then the people that are builders are like this is sweet i don't have to dig any holes <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and they just come to the Perfect. chests they grab they grab the stuff and they go build epic things i mean it's it, it there's going to be a balance and i would imagine that it'll work out out of the gate most of the way and i think some adjustments will have to be made as to how players interact i'm sure that there'll be some i don't want to say abuse but there'll there'll be certain some workaround that someone will find and i imagine it'll be patched and they'll have to balance it out it's a new venture so i am curious to see how it all shakes down yeah either way it seems like it's going to be something that will be enriched by getting out and inviting your friends Mm -hmm. and incorporating more people into it so if anything it's a very good thing that it's generating a social atmosphere around the game Mm -hmm. you think we get time to squeeze in one more i think so yeah since we've got it in the show notes sure this is from bradley wright with six biome updates promised and two of them seemingly higher priority than the others due to fan voting could we start seeing biomes more often such as in 1.16 or would moyang be more likely to put them in a single 1.17 update or something in the future uh, i'm going to point out that using the the version numbers is a little bit just kind of just to illustrate bradley's point in this case we don't know what the numbers are actually going to be um but in terms of the holiday update and potential future updates for more biomes i think we are more likely to see one biome update at a time and along with the other updates i don't know if there'll be a biome update with the nether update that seems kind of against the mission <laughs> uh, if if i recall correctly they have said that the mountain update is not going to be until after the nether update right so the the most recent thing we have voted on the one that is ostensibly coming first is going to come out after the nether update and i can't imagine them also putting in all of the other biomes they've said they're going to update because then why did we vote in the first place yeah because clearly that's not coming out before any of the others it's coming out at the same time Mm -hmm. so yeah i have a feeling they are probably going to roll those out more slowly than you would think probably not even in a a single update for all of the losers i think it's probably still going to be one biome at a time yeah more slowly than you think and i'm going to say the cynic in me is going to say more slowly than you want uh Mm -hmm. because uh if i was moyang and i put my business hat on i'd say oh great we have new content for years <laughs> uh we can basically milk this i mean it's it's a it's a mean way to kind of put it but like honestly because of the track record because of how long it's taken them to implement the other changes or not even implement the other changes um i would not hold your breath on getting these updates faster than one at a time maybe once or twice a year 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and considering they do they do seem to have a pattern now of like, we got an update out around the holidays. Last year it was for Bedrock Edition, but uh, in this case they seem to have one for Java Edition as well with bees. And then the next major content update is probably going to come sometime like second quarter of next year, mm-hmm. maybe around sort of spring, early summer kind of thing. Maybe in line with the summer holidays, who knows? But uh, yeah, it seems like maybe we'll get two updates a year going forward now, sort of one in winter, one in summer. And if that's the case, then yeah, we might get a biome updated every six months or so, but they're setting their own pace and it is changing all the time. So it's very difficult to predict at this stage. Mm -hmm. Agree. Well, uh, yeah, that's probably going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thanks so much for sending in emails and uh, for commenting on YouTube. I'd like to read a bunch more of those in future, and the Chunk Mail Dispenser will be back next month. But for now, you can find more information about the show and links to some of the things we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. You might notice, Joel, and I don't read any adverts or anything like some other podcasts you might have listened to, and that is because we are entirely funded by our our listeners. So if you're listening to this and you feel like you're getting a little bit out of the show, you enjoy listening to us every week and you feel like you've got a bit of change to spare, why not consider putting some value back into the show by visiting patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. There you can sign up, you can join our community. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only Discord chat a whole bunch of other rewards besides, and gets us closer to our next goal of recording the Spawn Chunks live in Discord, kind of the same way we recorded our recent patron hangout, which should now be up on the patron-only RSS feed for everybody to listen to. We currently have 135 patrons, which is really awesome. We've been seeing a few new signups in the last week or so. Thank you so much to everyone who is new, and special thanks go out to our content engineers, Cameron Sigelski, JD Williamson, and Yitz for their support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. It's 100% free. Just look for us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, or better yet, poke a friend in the arm and say, hey, you should listen to this. It's a great podcast. Johnny is also putting together some audio clips that you can share, which means you can now poke people in the ear and say, hey, listen to this one minute. If you like it, there's a whole 60 more where this came from. You can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And hey, me, Jason, on the US iTunes store have left, has left us a five-star review. The best way to start the week. I look forward to this podcast each week and the discussion is informative, fun, and inspiring. Thanks so much, me, Jason. Really, really appreciate that. The RSS feed is linked on the spunchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance and, of course, the quarterly hangout that we just recorded. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for The Survival Guide, and I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online is at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio. You can find me on social media with just my name, Joel Duggan. I am very easy to spot. You can also spot me in person this coming weekend at HalCon. You can go to hal-con.com to find out more information, including information about the very first Spawn Chunks appearance at a convention. Johnny and I are going to be doing a panel on Sunday. Uh, oh yeah, this, we kind of we kind of buried the lead about that. Didn't yeah, we, we did. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, the, the people that are going to be able to see it live are going to be at Halcon, so it's not going to matter if you're not local to Halifax. But uh, if sure. you want to uh, check it later, we are going to be talking with the organizers to see if it's okay that we record the panel and release it to our listeners. So keep 
up to date on that in uh, probably our Discord would be the easiest place. Uh, other than that, uh, you can find me on the Citadel Cafe every Wednesday where I record with a bunch of friends talking about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. And of course, I'm going to point you towards Twitch where I'm having a lot of fun playing Minecraft and hanging out with you cool people. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, but some of it is dispensable. 